You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. We have a, like I said, a very special guest uh, speaker tonight. And uh, by way of introduction, um, Shana is a force of nature, um, for those of you who know her, um, and probably one of the most remarkable people I've ever gotten to know. Um, and just her, her story, all those things. Um, if, if you know Shana for any length of time, um, you know just the way she lives her life is she pours her heart into everything. Um, and I think just probably one of the, all I need to tell you about Shana um, is that during, the, I don't know if you could hear it, but we could hear it during, during the music right here. When there's kind of a lull in the music, all I hear is her son, Anthony singing. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, that's a testimony. That's it. He wasn't even, he wasn't even born when we started this church. And just the progression of little guy, you know, little bean, you know, being born, miracle baby, all these kind of things. Now he's here. And I just think of all the singing that we did tonight to give God praise, that brought God the most joy. And that, and that's just, her son and Tony's son, like that—that that to me just tells you everything you need to know about Shayna. She's just remarkable and um, just so grateful for her. Uh, all right, and I'm going to put her notes over here so that she can actually read them on this. Um, but would you just please welcome Shayna? Uh, give a good warm welcome from from Life True to Shayna. Thank you so much, and looking forward to what God's put on your heart for us tonight. Do you need the stool? Uh, no, I should be good. Stand. All right. I'm going to stand. Thank you so much. I was reminded I have a loud voice, so I'm going to try to <laughs> not, not be too, too, too overwhelming. Um, so I am so, so honored to be uh, here tonight. i um, been here seven years, and it's just such a blessing to just be before all of you. Um, and if this is your first time here, we're actually going through a series on Daniel. Um, and we're going through uh, what's called American Idols. So, so not American Idols like you see on television, but idols that we kind of put in place of God and how we can even inadvertently try, like worship those idols instead of worshiping God. And so the past two weeks, um, we've been going through idols of approval. And uh, Dan did a great message that says that, you know, we look for approval from others, but God says that he approves of us just the way we are. And last week, uh, sorry, not last week, we were closed last week with the snow. The week before, uh, we did the idol of understanding, which says that, you know, we want to know all things, that we would wish we could know all things, but that we actually grow more in trust and understanding when, and in faith uh, when we let God take over. And so this week, I am actually going to be preaching on the idol of security. So I know some of you are like, ooh, okay, what's this going to be like? Um, and so we're going to be focusing on how, you know, this idea of security and safety and how we can easily uh, kind of let that uh, replace, you know, who God is in our life. And as I was thinking about writing this message, I just remembered this story from a few months ago. I was at a church event, a different church event, um, worship event, and I brought my kids, and um, it was great because they were in a kid's church, and I was just in there listening to the music, and it was so good, and I was just really in the moment. And then all of a sudden, the ground starts shaking. 
And if you know me, or if you start to get to know me, you'll know that I have a little flair for the dramatic side, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> so my immediate thought is that it's an earthquake. <laughs> an earthquake is happening. Um, okay, what am I going to do? And so I'm like, okay, I need to find an exit plan. Uh, these are the exits. I need to get out of here. And then another horrifying thought enters my head that my kids are in separate classes and who do I save first? <laughs> and if you're a parent or you're a sibling, you know even if you make it out alive, whoever you pick first, the second one will resent you for the rest of your life. Because they will remember that, Mom, like, you, you came for me second. That is not fair. So, so all of that is going through my head. Like, who do I get first? Who do I go? I got to get out of here that I don't realize what is actually happening. And it is not an earthquake. But there is a man uh, across the aisle, uh, the aisle who is jumping up in worship so hard, he is making the ground shake. <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I had a whole exit plan. I had everything. And in the middle of doing that, I could have been worshiping God like that man was. But my mind immediately went to security, safety, worry, all of those things. And so I was, I was wondering um, if maybe I'm not alone in that and that maybe sometimes, you know, you've kind of been in a situation and something might feel, and then automatically you're kind of jumping to the next thing, like, okay, uh, this is happening. How do I keep myself safe? Um, or like me, I drive over bridges, and I'm always, like, worried about what's going to happen. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's something I've been struggling with, and what I'm really excited about is that as we're going through this series, we've been talking about the book of Daniel. And I think there's a lot of ties to security and idols um, in this book. And so the book of Daniel, um, for those um, who, who, who didn't know about it, and I, I certainly didn't know anything about it when I first came to church, is a book in the Old Testament and tells the story of Daniel and also his friends. Um, and basically kind of to set the scene for you is that Jerusalem has been besieged uh, by the Babylonians, and we've got King Nebuchadnezzar uh, coming in, and they take the best and the brightest people, and they haul them to Babylon. So they take them out of their own homeland, right? So just, just imagine, you've been taken by everything you've ever known, you're moved to a foreign court, and then you're told, you are going to work for me. And so everything is different. Um, they're, they're very, the word would be, um, they worship a lot of gods. So they're very, they're all about idols. They've got the statues. They've got a lot of rich food. And there's also this culture of fear. And so even in the beginning of Daniel, we see Daniel and his three friends, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can say them, but I can't. Spelling is still a challenge, so I use spell check even on this. Um, we see them uh, being challenged, wanting to be faithful to God, you know, these very faithful men, but, you know, it's hard in this culture. So even the food that they, they want to eat, um, a lot of it's very rich. And so when Daniel approaches the people and says, you know, we're going to eat fruits and vegetables. You know, we, we, we believe very strongly in not being, as they said, defiled. They're, file, they're, 
they're holding to this Levitical diet, which is based on the law in Leviticus, and they believe very strongly that they want to honor God by eating these things. And the head cook is like, I, I don't know if I can do that. Like, he, he might have my head if I do this. So if you can just imagine just the culture of fear, that you, if you try to defy anything that Nebuchadnezzar says, like, he's going to kill you. And so being in the court, they've been around this type of, um, just like this culture of fear. And um, I want to kind of take us into uh, the story before uh, we read the verse for today. And what's happening is, is that Nebuchadnezzar sets up this gigantic golden statue. Um, and he tells everybody, I would like you all to come bow down and worship it. And uh, we're going to have music. Like, it's going to be a good time. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, no, I, I'm not going to do this. And so when they say no, it causes attention. And so they're brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, we're going to enter the story here. And we're going to talk about how, um, how, like, how crazy this really was. So if you have a Bible with me, um, you can turn to uh, Daniel chapter 3, uh, verses 13 through 30, or we're also going to have it on the screen. And it's a little bit long, but I want you to uh, stay with me. It's, it's so good. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O oh, king, let him deliver us. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue. And then he's so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his face becomes distorted. And he orders the furnace heated up seven times hotter than's customary. And he ordered the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, their other garments, and they were thrown into the furnace. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so eating, overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm saying this a lot, uh, fell down and bound into the furnace of blazing fire. And the king was astonished and rose up quickly. He said, Wait, wait, was it not three men who we threw bound into the fire? They said, uh, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the fourth has an appearance 
of a god. So he approached the door of the furnace and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, come here. So they come out from the fire, and the people gather together, and they see the fire had not any power over the bodies of men. The hair on their heads was not singed. Their tunics were not harmed. Not even the smell of fire was on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. They disobeyed the king's command and yielded up their bodies, then serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people or language that utters blasphemy against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their house laid in ruins, for there is no God who is able to deliver in this way. Then the king promotes them in the province of Babylon. I was reading this, I was like, wow, I really said that their names a lot of times. I know how often you do that in day-to-day current conversation. But I, I just wanted to focus on this passage, and, and maybe you've heard this story before, maybe you ha- or maybe you haven't. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about contrasts. And so in this series on Daniel, we've been talking a little bit about contrasts, that maybe what we think is the right thing to do is not. And I want to talk a little bit about the guards. So we see in this sentence that the mighty guards are throwing them into the fire. They are in this culture of fear too, right? So if imagine they're going there. They're thinking maybe, I'm safe. I'm coming here to throw some guys into the fire that don't obey the king. And who is safer than me who obeys the king's commands, does everything he says, and I'm just going to do what he tells me to do, even if I think it's wrong or if I don't. And these are some, like, strong dudes. Like, they just pick up a guy and, like, throw him into the fire. Like, can you imagine you just, they literally throw them in. And so they're like these mighty warriors. And the text tells us that just the heat from the fire kills them. And so they thought that they were doing everything right. They're worshiping the God of security. I will do whatever he tells me, and then they lose their lives. And then when you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's so profound that they say, even if you don't, we're never going to worship you. Like, we worship God. Like, we don't, even if we have to die, we're going to do it. And they're the ones who come out alive in this scenario. And if you're maybe somebody in the crowd, you might be like, what? Like, what just happened? Like, I don't understand. But precisely because they did what we thought maybe was not the right thing to do, they are the ones saved. So it is this study in contrast. You know, even Matthew, um, there's this great verse in Matthew that makes me think, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whomever loses their life for me will find it. And it's like a contrast, like what? But this is exactly what we're talking about. And then we see the fourth man in the fire. And it's been, uh, it's been debated theologically, um, you know, who is, you know, is it Jesus? Is it God? Is it an angel? And I remember even being in class and people going back and forth debating it. And they're like, what do you think? And I was like, it's God, the end. And, um, <laughs> and they're like, we can't deal with you. <laughs> it's literally what it's like. Um, but 
It's God in the furnace. Whatever, whatever manifestation, Holy Spirit, Jesus, whatever, however you see it, like that is God with them in the fire. We see a powerful manifestation in God in that his presence is so powerful that with them in the, in the moment, not even their clothes are singed. They don't even smell like fire. And it's because they chose to worship God alone. And they say, even if not, that God's presence was still with them no matter what. And so maybe you're thinking, like, okay, Shana, this is a great story, but, like, no one's getting thrown into a fiery furnace. Okay, so how would I even apply this to me? And I think there's sometimes that we choose. We think we have this, like, little bit of control, and we're going to choose to keep it at all costs to keep ourselves safe. Right? Like, if, you know, you may be thinking, well, I have to do these things. Like, I have to have these contingency plans, these these things that help me feel safe. I can't, I can't just give that up. And like, why would, why would you ask me to? And I, if that's you, I'm so glad you're here because I want to talk about the fact that this is, this is a very real thing. You know, we live in a culture that's risk avoidant. Maybe, you know, maybe you've seen this. The past two years, um, we, there isn't a conversation that isn't had about safety, or maybe you're hearing about safety every single day. Avoid risks. Keep ourselves safe at all costs. Um, You know, making decisions, um, or even if you've heard this term, helicopter parents, I still, I still can't believe, and I I have a very hard time understanding this, that uh, grandparents I know or great-grandparents, they just, like, let their kids go outside, and they didn't come home until dark. <laughs> I'm like, what? You just, like, let them go? And in our culture, I can't even drop, you know, a kid off for a play date. I got to stay and watch them. Like, you, you can't leave. Like, I actually thought I could do that one time, and they're like, no, no, no. You stay, and we watch them play. <laughs> and, I mean, how amazing would it be to be, you know, 100 years oh, Just go out, come home later. But we're just in this culture where we don't even feel like we can do that. Um, and I was reading this article that talked about that, you know, what, you know, what a risk-adverse society we live in. And believe it or not, it said that the more obsessed with safety that we are, the less safe we feel. That because we continually draw attention to safety as a condition that is absent, it only reinforces the sense of insecurity. In other words, our permanent sense for safety only highlights that we don't have it. And so Jeffrey Sandinover said, like with idols, that idols, they ask for more and more, and they give less and less until they demand everything and they give us nothing. And we can become so obsessed with security, right? Like, because it's never satisfied. I was even thinking about going through routine medical exams when I was pregnant with my children. 
And my doctors had told me, we're going to give you every single exam. We're going to take you for weekly scans. We're going to help you, make you feel safe. And then I realized, going through that process, it just made me feel worse. Because every time I went for a scan was another phone call I was going to receive, and I was always on edge, like, what is it going to be? What's going to happen? And I never felt better. Because you could have a scan, and five minutes later, I'd be walking out of the parking lot like, but what now? Something could change. I don't feel safe now. And so it's a growing, growing desire that can just make us feel worse. And yet we see in this story with the guards and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that because they give up this sense of security and safety, they get God's presence as the only security they need. And as I was Looking through this week, I, I saw this verse from Isaiah that I wanted to share with you. And Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he talks a lot about idols. Um, and he says, Though the Lord may give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher. And when you turn to the right... Or when you turn to the left, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will defile your civil color idols and your gold-plated images. You will scatter them like filthy rags. And you will say to them, away with you. You see... I think God is telling us through this verse, through the voice of Isaiah, that when we choose to worship him, he will give us what we need to get through the times when we want to hold on to our idols the most. And so when I see uh, the verse that says, um, your teacher will not hide himself anymore, and your eyes shall see, and your ears will hear. That's God's presence. That's God telling us that he is present for us when we choose to worship him alone. You see, God even tells us in the Ten Commandments, you will have no other God for me. There is no room for two gods. There's either room for God or there's no room for God. And when we choose to put him first, we receive his presence. And then the words that say, this is the way, walk in it. And to me... That's wisdom. How many times when we're going through something or we're worried, we don't know which way to turn, we ask God for wisdom. We want him to help us with the direction of where we want to go. And then we hear that you will be able to say, away with you. And so I think that's courage. I think God's telling us in the moment that we are most afraid, most fearful, when we choose to worship him in his presence, he will give us wisdom and courage. You see, wisdom tells us what to do and where to go. And I just think that courage is wisdom that's executed. Because he tells you what to do, but then you actually have to do it. And that takes courage. And so, for us, in times of uncertainty... Why holding on to our fake idols? How many times have you prayed for wisdom and courage? How many times do we need it even more than ever? 
But when we choose to worship the idol of security, it robs us of the opportunity to be wise, and it robs us of the opportunity to be brave. And so maybe today you've been thinking about a decision to make or what to do. We've seen a lot in the news, right? You can just turn on the television and you can see wars and you see different things happening. And maybe you think that security isn't um, just something that is guaranteed anymore. Or maybe it's, maybe it's being in a global pandemic. We've been going two years, and it has been a struggle. Or maybe it's not just global. Maybe this is even within our own families, where we worry about security. We're sending a child off to college. We've never done that before. And what will happen if they're not with us? What will it be for our own children that we send them to schools where we worry about shelter in place and safety drills? Or all of a sudden something's happened in a family, a family member. We've you know, received news and everything's changed just like that. Or maybe it's something that's going on with us. We've had so many financial worries. Maybe you've put money into the stock market and you've seen it go down. Or maybe you're, you've been paying, you know, you've been working hard and yet you're seeing less and less in your paycheck because of inflation and rising gas prices. And you worry, how am I going to have security for my family? How am I going to do this? Or maybe you've just received a diagnosis and what you thought your health was secure, that everything was fine, is suddenly in question. What would it be like in those moments to be armed with wisdom and courage? That in the battle of our mind and the worry for security, that we would actually choose to worship God first. That we could hear God's eye, we could see that we would hear God's voice, that he would tell us what to do, that we could hear him say, this is the way, walk in it. To take our old idols, scatter them one by one, and that we could have the courage to say, away with you. To be gifted with God's presence in the middle of our trials, rather than idols that just make us feel worse. And maybe you're not sure how to do that today. Maybe you're thinking, okay, this is a great message, but I don't really know how to do this. Like, you don't really understand what I'm going through. This is really tough. And I just want you to try something with me. A prayer to start your day off in the morning. That the, because this is a daily battle. Uh, we were taught, you know, David was talking about this during worship, that we have to choose every day to worship God, that it's not just, okay, I did it today, I'm good for the next three years, but it's a choice every day to put God first. And so a prayer that we would acknowledge that God is the only presence that we need and the only thing that can save us and not any idols. So, so let's just try that now. Would you just pray with me? 
God, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are, that you, Lord, are more than enough, that, God, we have seen, we have seen, Lord, just our idols turning to dust before our eyes. God, we have seen security or things that we thought were secure are no longer secure, Lord, and that in that moment, Lord, we would realize that we would put you first, God, that we would worship you, and that, God, that in choosing to worship you, that you would gift us, Lord, with your presence, Lord, you would gift us with your wisdom, and, Lord, that you would give us courage to walk through the battles, Lord. We just thank you for who you are every day. We pray, God, as we put on our battle armor, God, as we fight these every day, God, that we would know you are with us, God, that you are the one in the fire with us, God, that you never leave us, Lord, and that in, a, in, you know, in our study of contrast, God, that to, to give up everything is to gain everything, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for what you are doing for all of us, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. And so I want to invite you to stand and sing a song uh, with me as we close. You know, this has been a study about how to be battle-ready and a study in contrast. And I was listening to this song, Courageous, by Casting Crowns. And it just reminded me of the contrast in this lyrics where it said that the only way we'll ever stand is on our knees with lifted hands. And so would you join me that in the battle of our mind and our hearts in choosing to God first, that we would choose him, that rather than avoiding pain, that God would be first and with us. Just an incredible message, Shane. I appreciate what you shared there so much. And I won't preach a second message, don't worry. It's tempting. It's so tempting. It's just, but it's, it's such, a, such a good word. The source of our security, without question, is God. Anytime we replace him with anything else in a quest to be secure, it will fail. But I really, the point you brought up about it being, it robbing us of the opportunity for courage, that's really, really good. Really, really good. God has not called us to be safe. That's not a kingdom value. He says, I got you. But he doesn't promise us safety. He promises us purpose, that it will be worth it, that it will be good. He doesn't promise that it will be safe. That's not the point. And so I just think that's such a, a good word for us. That's such a challenge for us. Let's be people who exhibit courage to follow God and to trust him, to trust him to not just pursue safety. We're not meant to be safe. We're not designed. It robs us of who we are. That's it. Thank you, Shana. Appreciate it. On your way out, I want to encourage you. In the baskets, you can drop your connection cards in there. Uh, also, if you have an offering or anything, you can drop that in the baskets as well, or you can give online this week. But God bless you. Hope you have a great week. Thank you to the band. And uh, everybody, just give it up for Shana. Such a good word. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great week.